Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Are you happy to be in church this morning? Are you happy to be gathered as a people of God together? Oh, that wasn't very encouraging. Are you happy to be gathered as a people of God? Yes, that's much better. Because when the book of Hebrews was written, there was, it was written to a group of Christians who didn't want to meet together anymore. Hebrews is, we don't know the author of Hebrews, the anonymous man or woman whoever wrote it wrote it to a group of Jewish Christians who, on becoming followers of the Messiah, were facing this pressure, pressure from friends and family to convert back. And so many of them were doing that. They were reverting back to Judaism. And so the author, he writes this sermon to this group of Christians who are struggling to say, hey, guess what? Jesus is better. Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law, than sacrifices and the priests. Jesus is better. So if you have something better, why would you revert back to something inferior? And a big part of what was going on there with Christians is that, as Brian read for us, they were not meeting together. Now, does anyone remember on the Sermon on the Mount, what does Jesus say? How many roads are there? Well, you know, wide gate, narrow gate. How many roads are there you can pick in life? It's two. It's two. You can pick the wide gate that's easy and broad and leads to destruction. Or you can pick the narrow gate, the narrow road. Now, which do you think is the easier way to live? The wide gate or the narrow gate. Wide. Why is it easier? Why is it easier to live with the wide gate? Yeah, it fits in with everyone else. That's exactly. So it doesn't really require much effort to live in the wide gate. But in the narrow gate, where you're tempted by sin and idolatry and this and that and the other, it's easy to fall off. So what you need to do is you need to have people around you. Yes? Yes, you need someone there to encourage you. You need someone there to be in ear, to help lift you up when you're feeling down and isolated. Community is just, it's built within us. It's part of our DNA. In fact, does anyone know what the only, so in the good world God created, there was one thing that was not good. Does anyone know? Being alone, it's exactly. In this beautiful world God created, the fact that the man was alone, it is not good. Now, Adam had lots of animals around him. He could have found companionship with them, but he needed a human. He needed a wife. Adam and Eve are called to go and to be fruitful and to multiply. And it's the same for us as a church. 
the great Methodist John Wesley said, there is no personal holiness without social holiness. For Wesley, he recognised that, that there's no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. You can't do it on your own. In life, how many things that we need someone around us for? To exercise? To get up early in the morning? If you tell a friend, isn't that right? If you say, hey, let's get up at 6am and go to the gym, are you more likely to do it if you organise it with a friend or by yourself? Look, some people are super, super disciplined and can do that. But for most of us, we need a friend. We need someone around us. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And I just love that imagery of the body of Christ. We're all members, but we're one body meant to do this together. And it's Paul's tapping into this sort of Genesis creation imagery when Adam was alone in the garden and God takes, it says, some Bibles say rib, but it's literally like the whole side of him. Side of Adam is taken out to create Eve. Just this wonderful imagery. Husbands and wives, the church is like that too. We are one body. We're meant to be doing this together. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells Peter, Matthew 16 verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's the role of us as a worship community. Destroy the gates of of Hades, destroy the gates of hell to bring what God wanted all the way back in Eden, in the garden, was for humans to be fruitful and to multiply and to spread out God's presence in the world. That's our role as a church. And I'll be honest, it can be very, very difficult to be a disciple of Jesus. Maybe we're not facing what those Christians that the author of Hebrews was writing to. But all of us each and every day face the decision, will I live for God or will I live for myself? So we sometimes be tempted by the evil one. Sometimes we're tempted by the people around us. Or sometimes we just do not care anymore. And what I love about the little passage in Hebrews that is read out, if you listen to it carefully, it says from verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The idea is that we encourage us to, do, to be loving and to do good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So encourage each other to keep on fighting, to keep going in the midst of the challenges and trials of life. And all the more as you see the day, and if you have an NIV Bible, it has D 
in capitals, day approaching. This idea is that we actually know the end goal. We know the end result of salvation. And what the author of Hebrews is trying to point is saying, if Jesus is greater than anything in the Old Testament, that means that he is the Messiah. He is now sitting. And in biblical language, sitting is a sign that you have completed an action. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Victory has happened. There is assurance that Jesus will come back one day to rule and reign over this world, to eradicate evil, pain and suffering. That is what we're to focus upon. Each and every Sunday where we gather together, we're to do that, to remind ourselves that the day is coming. Our lives aren't just this meaningless existence. We have purpose. We have a function. We are loved by God. And we have an, an end result to look forward to. The, the famous uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, he uses this analogy of signposts. Now, say if you're driving to Melbourne and you see the signpost that says Melbourne, 800 k's away, you know that that's not Melbourne, yeah? That's just a signpost to tell you how to get there. So if your destination is Melbourne, but you need those signposts, you need those signs to guide you along the way in the journey. And for us gathering together each Sunday, it's like a signpost. Each of us here, we are living stones, the holy temple. That's why I call this place the tabernacle, though it's kind of falling apart this morning. We have a nice big hole up there, but we're gathered here. This is a foretaste of what heaven will be like, where the new humanity comes together and before the throne, in fact, it says it here in Revelation 7, verse 15, they're before the throne and they serve him, that's God, day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's just a little snapshot of what the day will look like. So if this morning you're feeling discouraged, if you feel that Jesus isn't greater, because let's be honest, there's times in our life we we believe that Jesus isn't greater. And we believe that whenever we decide to have an idol or have a sin or have something that is above Jesus, whenever we're tempted to think that Jesus isn't greater, that's even more we need to cling on to our Christian community, cling on to the fact that we can gather here as God's people on a Sunday. Cling on to the fact that throughout the week we have small groups that you can share with in an intimate setting to have people pray for you. It's part of the discipleship process. There is no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. We're all in this together. And as we meet here, Sunday by Sunday, 
We may not feel it. We may not seem to be like that. But we're part of that vision that Jesus gave to Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's just an amazing image. The church going out, destroying evil, pain and suffering. That word in the, this is the NIV translation I'm I'm using. On this rock I will build my church. It's in Greek. You might have heard this word, ecclesia. Heard that word before? Ecclesia. And so it just means assembly or gathering. In fact, you know the book of Ecclesiastes? It gets it from that. Ecclesiastes, gathering people. Anyway, Ecclesiastes is the Greek word that was used for assembly. And in the Old Testament, there was a word for assembly, which was qual. And so qual was used whenever the children of God were gathered together. Now, with the Old Testament, they... Hebrew, kind of, people stopped using it, and Greek was like the English of our day. And when the, the rabbis translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, when they came to the word qual, they used the word ecclesia. Okay? So when Jesus says to Peter, You are Peter, on this rock I will build my ecclesia. If you're a Jewish reader, you automatically think the people of God. You think the Israelites. You think the time where Yahweh's presence came down into Mount Sinai. Think of all those times where Moses gathered the people of God. See, why we assemble is that for the Israelites originally, it was to remind themselves of that great day where Yahweh's presence came down to Mount Sinai. Lightning, thunder, this tremendous spectacle. In fact, the angels themselves are there worshipping. Deuteronomy 33, verse 2. That's what Moses says about this moment. He says, Yahweh came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads, thousands and thousands and thousands of holy ones from the south, from his mountain slopes. And for the Jews, every time they gathered, they assembled. They were continuing that legacy of Mount Sinai. And for us as Christians, meeting here right now, the angels are here with us. We are reenacting in some way, shape or form that moment of Sinai. We are reenacting what Jesus told Peter the church would do. Go and defeat the gates of Hades. We gathered here to encourage each other so we can go forth into the world and transform and shape it. After Jesus' resurrection and the church gathered, it was just small little communities that met in homes. And Acts chapter 2, which I think is just the basis for many, many small groups. We're told in Acts 2.42 that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Even within these small little churches, that was part of the assembly. That was part of the ecclesia. Part of the people who would go out and ensure that Jesus' message would go forth, that the gates of Hades would not prevail. We all need a friend. Uh, in, at Bible college, we were all encouraged to get yourself a Paul, someone who is a spiritual mentor, someone who's a spiritual figure. Get yourself a Timothy. Someone who is younger than you. Someone that you can invest in. And always have a Barnabas. Barnabas, an encourager. They said, if you have those three people in your life, that will help you in your spiritual journey. And last week, I challenged us as a worship community to memorize Psalm 1 and for some very, very brave people to come up the front at the end of the series I know that some people have already started that process. So I'm giving another challenge this morning. Find yourself a Paul. Find yourself a Timothy. And have a Barnabas. In fact, I'd suggest have multiple Barnabases in your life. We all need encouragers. Because the Christian walk, it is along the narrow road. And it is easy to fall off that narrow road. If you're by yourself, if all you have is your own thoughts, if all you have is your own private demons and battles, just to have someone there to encourage you. Now, Acts 2 obviously was written in a time and place that's very different to us. There was signs and wonders happening. All the believers were together and they they sold property and possessions and gave it to each other. They lived in a collective community. I'm sure we can't replicate that today in Sydney, Australia. But some of those basic functions are there. We can keep meeting together. We can continue to break bread. We can have glad and sincere hearts. And we can devote ourselves to the Lord's teaching and to prayer. I was reading this week from a commentator called George Gunthery, and he said on reflection of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, To whom in the body of Christ am I giving encouragement this day or week by my presence, my actions, and my words? Am I receiving encouragement by remaining faithful to my association with the body of Christ? Such reflection, when followed with action, serves as the foundation stone for healthy Christian living. I'll finish off with a proverb. One of the great things about proverbs is they're like hard lollies. You put them in your mouth, you don't just chew a hard lolly straight away. You suck on them. You just meditate on the flavour. Proverbs 27 verse 7 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Let me pray for us. 
Hey Lord, we are just so grateful we can be gathered here this morning. Lord, I'm just grateful that we can just worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, I just pray this morning as there are some of us here right now probably struggling, Lord, to remain on that narrow road. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that for those that need encouragement, that those who need a Paul, those who need a Timothy in their lives, they can find that, to not forsaking the assembly together. Lord, we thank you that here at Dural we have the option to come and worship you each and every Sunday morning. We thank you that we have the option to come into small groups and to serve and do life together with one another. Lord, I pray that we can just catch that vision that Jesus gave to Peter. The church will go forth and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. And Lord, to keep our eyes focused upon the day of your return. For that is what you've promised to us as a church. May we spur one another on to love and good works. So I pray all of this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.